0: Welcome to the TechFace podcast. We at TechFace are all about connecting female tech communities with companies to support their members finding a meaningful career in tech. In this podcast, we interview women who have a career in tech to inspire your own journey. Let's listen to our next guest on this episode. Today, we welcome Ariana to our podcast. We have met as well through a group of kick as ladies, but we also met them in person at the Business Innovation Week where we both were participating. First of all, thanks a lot for being our guest today on the podcast. And I would like to invite you to talk a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's a great pleasure to be here.
0: And as a typical woman, it's really hard for me to talk about myself,
1: but I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, my background is in psychology and business, so I am not a techie in that sense, but I guess we'll we'll get to how I, I got into that field in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked my pretty much my entire career in Switzerland and even abroad for Swisscom, about 14 years total, um, starting in a call center as a call center agent, um, then doing tech support, which... When I say tech support, really what we were doing is telling people to turn off their phones, take out their battery, wait a second, and put it back in. That solved most of our problems, but that was also 2002. Just the fact that I told you you can remove the battery from the phone gives you an indication how long ago it was. And so I worked uh, for five or six years in a call center environment uh, between customer service, uh, tech support and sales. I started taking over my first team and it was in sales, I think, Um, then taking over the sales department, uh, just internal uh, sales. And then came a big switch. So I started my career in, in people management, right? A team of four, then two team leaders, then a department of 120 people. And uh, then came a complete cut. Uh, Roche Wittrich, the current CDO of Swisscom, asked me if I was interested in working on culture transformation in his department. So that was something completely different but I, I thought it, it was really interesting to build something up. And it was a position that was very young. Uh, and Another woman had done it for about a year before um, she took on an, a new challenge. And so there's a lot of room to design the team, to design the experience, to explore new things. And, and that's what drew me there. Now, uh, after, after doing that and going to the Silicon Valley for three years, uh, doing trend and technology scouting, I am now the CEO and co-founder of Dart Lab. We are an incubator in San Francisco and Zurich focused on early stage startups. And I sped the the last part up a bit because I assume that we'll dive into how that pivot came.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's quite an impressive story. I think it's amazing to see how you started in a call center and ending up what you're doing now and having basically, to me, it sounds a lot that in every stage of your career, you always had this connection to tech you I had are- a
1: fascination for gadgets that's how it started it was cell phones, and then they became smartphones, and I was hooked from from day one. When Swisscom was Swisscom Mobile, that's when um, when, I, when I got in, so when it was four or five different companies that merged later on, uh, every employee got a new phone, a brand new cell phone, every four to six months, because we needed to understand how the different phone worked. Uh, there's a difference between a Nokia and, and an Ericsson, and people would have questions about it, like, how do I send a text message now that I have a Ericsson and no longer a Nokia so it was very simple things but we needed to understand the phone so we got new phones in our hands all the time and then the first PDAs and smartphones came out and sort of my passion grew with that
0: it's- Whoa, that's really fascinating. I mean, I, I was very hesitant in the beginning with mobile phones. For me, it was always suspect to have a mobile phone. But yeah, actually it's a different approach to use the gadgets. When you were working with these gadgets, how much interested were you in basically the technology itself in the mobile phone? Did you spend some time investigating it as well, or was it just the usage?
1: Not at all. I did not at all care how it was working. I just, I was just fascinated by what I got to do with it or, you know, the, the yeah. real result. And that stayed like that for a long, long time. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I really started to ask those questions like, well, wait, how does this actually work? And uh, it also wasn't until a few years ago that I wrote my first couple lines of code just so I can at least on a basic level understand what programming languages are like. But yeah, no, I was always coming from the user side. And, and that's also what got me into the Silicon Valley for Swisscom. And it's always been people with a tech background going previously. And the year I went and, and Lucas Peter, who is currently leading it, um, he went a month before me. The two of us were, in, in a sense, non-technical, but always coming from the perspective, what does, that, what does that mean for a society in Switzerland? What does that mean for a consumer here? Is that adaptable? Right? Not every technology in the way it's used in one country or region can one-to-one be adopted to Switzerland. So it was the user side and the psychology side became more important, which is what, what gave me the opportunity to join that team.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more? What were your tasks when you joined in Silicon Valley? Yes.
1: Uh, <clears throat> yes. So maybe a sentence about the Swisscom outpost, uh, because lots of people tend to be confused when we talk about Swisscom and the United States or international business in general. Swisscom since 1980, no, yeah, since 1989 um, has had a small outpost in the Silicon Valley. And for the first few years, that was just watching and paying attention to how trends and technologies are developing um, and trying to translate what that might mean for the market here in Switzerland. And then after the dot-com bubble burst, a lot of these companies that had outposts closed and went back home. And the few like Swisscom that remained and changed their their strategy a bit and started engaging with the ecosystem, engaging with the startups, um, trying to see if they can do partnerships, co-creations, pilots, trying out um, new use cases. And so that's kind of what, um, what the outpost is today. And what, what my role there was as head of trends and technology was to basically see trends and, and emerging technologies and translate what that means for, the, for Swisscom and the Swiss market. And on one hand, uh, of course, Swisscom, the primary client, and on the other hand, uh, a lot of other Swiss corporations that, would, that didn't have their own presence that would use the Swisscom outpost to, to ask themselves questions
0: you also talk about which I think it's quite important to understand in the tech industry a lot of people think it's just about coding and and sitting down and creating those technology but you mentioned just now and also before that especially also this link between the user and technology is quite important do you feel yourself this is the spot for you to be or what made you go into this area I
1: sort of came from, or my way in was from the culture transformation side where we were confronted with questions. What does, what do the, all these um, technological changes, um, automation, AI, et cetera, mean for our employees, not just for the customers? I started sort of from the employee side. And that's when we started doing things like learning lunches and taking a technology like augmented reality and giving everybody a sandwich and trying to explain over lunch what it is and what the possibilities are. And uh, that's sort of when I started myself also getting interested in looking sort of under the hood and, and also understanding uh, how these experiences that I'm fascinated about are, mm-hmm. are happening. And then I, I sort of switched over to the tech side, but still with the human focus. I have, Priska?
0: Yeah. yeah. No, uh, sorry, I lost you on the way. I, <laughs> I think you... Do uh, no you problem. want
1: me to answer the question from the yeah,
0: the, no, no, no. You were at um, human focus when you said you were always looking for human focus and then you started mm-hmm. with in my career and that's where I lost you.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so in, in, in my career working with Swisscom and other corporates, I've seen a lot of um, early POCs or pilots using new technologies that failed. Mm-hmm. and. Um, often people would jump to the conclusion, you know, the technology is not ready or people don't have use for this technology. But most of the time, it was the setup of the POC or, or the pilots. A simple example is trying to get people interested in augmented reality. Three years ago, uh, somebody put up a sign in front of a shop and said, come in to find out uh, about AR and the majority of people just walked by and looked at it and didn't know what AR was and they had no reason to come in and find out so they kept walking. Um, And then the conclusion was, oh, augmented reality is not for the masses. It's a matter of how do we set it up? How do we get people in, right? That's the thing about emerging technologies. Before it reaches mass market, it's all about humans. And the point when it reaches
0: mass market is all about humans.
1: Rarely does the technology become ready. The moment it's ready, mass adoption starts rolling
0: out. I fully agree to that. And I think that's especially an area we need to pay more attention in the future to not technology, basically um, telling us what to do. But at the end of the day, it's still the human being who has to tell technology what to do.
1: Yeah, that's, that's also what we focus on with DART, right? We look for interdisciplinary teams with interaction designers and artists that have a different approach to what does the environment look like where I interact with these technologies. So it's not designed from a pure tech perspective in a Mm -hmm. sense
0: tell us a little bit more what you do with dart and i think this is also your passion at the end of the day so what do you love about what you're doing today and especially in dart as well
1: i consider myself extremely lucky (laughs) with the sort of job or career i was able to create uh, for myself in the last Couple years, the, my favorite part of my job, where the majority of my passion lies, is going out to talk to young founders, um, often still not quite founders yet, but at a stage that it's a research team and seeing the amazing things they have developed and helping them see if they can commercialize it. I see myself a little bit as a guide or a mentor. I'm a generalist. I'm not an expert on any of the technologies, but I have a good understanding of the main one and how they interconnect. And then enabling these guys that are extremely good at what they do to come into the business side and take advantage and see what they create and grow. That's where my passion lies. So my favorite thing... Is to go into the labs and check out what people have worked on, from like hyperloop pods to new computer chips that have been designed, studying the brain and noise level reduction in the brain. So I geek out on these things. As a psych, somebody with a psych background, I, I geek out on those things a lot.
0: Where do you see the tech going in the future? Like you have right now the amazing opportunity to see all these new technologies coming up firsthand. So what is your recommendation in regards to technology? Where do you see it in the future?
1: Well, this is such a hard question. Um, such a hard question because I generally, I regard technology itself as neutral. It's again, we're talking about humans, right? Who Who is using the technology? And um, I, my feelings about tech t- depend on sort of what, I read in the news in the morning, so am I, do I have a pessimistic or a optimistic outlook in, in the way the world is developing? Uh, I think really, really amazing things are ahead in the next few years with augmented and virtual reality, AI, and blockchain. We in our lifetime are going to see a massive shift, and that's super exciting. And at the same time, now is the time to ask some tough questions about ethics, about the way we're designing these interfaces. Etc. cetera, because the negative potential is also really big. We kind of saw this with the 2016 elections or what's happening right now uh, to 2020 elections with Brexit. Yeah. All these developments happen so fast and they end up out there, and then we figure out, oh, there's negative potential, and what do we do now? Uh, example deep fake, mm-hmm. you know, the videos where sometimes it's really difficult to figure out that they're fake, it's no longer immediately obvious. And those were designed by VFX people in Hollywood, right? They wanted to make better movies. No one did they think what other people could do with this technology or that it was even interesting for somebody else. And so after the fact, well, what do we do and how do we make sure that it's not misused in a sense? So (laughs) great potential, but we as humans need to stay on top of it and ask the right questions before we -hmm. release
0: it so in in regards to that and this situation, what would you recommend someone who wants to go into tech well how to basically start looking for a job in tech?
1: yeah um, I think what's what's really great nowadays is you can educate yourself on pretty much anything uh, if you have a good internet connection and a laptop or maybe even a phone. Uh, so my recommendation would be to read watch learn as much as you can on your own first to figure out generally what topic is most interesting to you maybe you want to be a generalist like me and then it's just consume everything you can to to sort of get a an overview uh, go to conferences in your free time if you don't currently have a position that allows you to do that. Go to meetups, talk to other people. And then once you figure it out for yourself which area is really interesting to you, see if you can take a, a Coursera class or a CAS or, or something short on that topic um, and then find your first job. Don't like I'm no longer a, a fan of like four-year university programs, at least not for grown-ups anymore. You can find pretty much anything targeted. Um, online and teach yourself.
0: Uh, this is usually also my recommendation and I agree with you because I think the change in the world is so quick now that by the time you finish a four-year degree it's not interesting anymore.
1: Yeah and it's it's also so difficult to figure out. Some degrees are, are a bit safer than others but I had a conversation just a couple of months ago with, with a young cousin of mine, he's, he's turning 16 and no, he's turning 15 and he was going to go for a logistic later. So logistics apprenticeship. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Which I think is two or three years. And I was like, dude, no, we shouldn't actually even be offering this anymore because warehousing and logistics are being automated. I did, that started a few years ago already, so there is no, no future twenty thirty years from now in, in that. Definitely think short-term in that sense, and, or for people with children, resilience and the ability to invent yourself over and over again, I think is going to be very important because Absolutely. we no longer have that certainty and stability that people had, I don't know, 100 years ago. If you grew up on a farm, there was a good chance you were going to become a farmer. That's Absolutely. no longer so clear.
0: Yes, that's you. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights. I fully agree with what you said in all cases as well, especially in education. I think there is some big task coming up, especially in Switzerland, how we have to adjust the education to be able to face all these challenges, and especially in the tech industry. So, before we close the interview, I would like to ask you some speed questions. So, it's basically just answer what you have on top of your mind. Okay. So. Who is your favorite female role model?
1: Can I give two? Okay. <laughs> celebrity, one a non-celebrity. Uh, c- celebrity, in a sense, Jacinda uh, Arden, the uh, Prime Minister of New Zealand, just for, for being a kick-ass woman and bringing her child to places where children have not gone before. <laughs> uh, I think it's super admirable. And then uh, a real-life person, um, Helia Burgunder. She's currently the Chief Customer Officer um, at UPC. And uh, we used to work together um, and we used to be on a board at SME at Swisscom. Uh, she's an amazing, smart woman with a tech background and three children and, and just rocks everything she touches and has always so much energy. I don't know where she gets it from. So role model.
0: Great, Thanks. The next one is what is your most important skill?
1: Uh, being a quick thinker and, and being able to get into new topics quickly.
0: Cool. And the last one, what is the best advice you were ever given to?
1: It's not so much a advice as it was a comment that I took as advice. I had a phase where I was really uh, disillusioned a little bit with, with corporate life and I was walking around and I was complaining about you know my employer. And somebody said, well, Ariana, who exactly are you mad at? Who is Swisscom, right? Who one person <laughs> emotionally are we making responsible for this? It? Mm-hmm. And it's so dawned on me uh, that it's just, it's up to me. It's up to me how I do my things and how I feel about it and to stop when I no longer feel good about it or to change things. And I kind of, uh, it was such a simple statement that happened three years ago. And I still remember it when I have a hard time with things it's like, wait. It's just my perception, and it's my
0: outlook on it, and I can change it. That's a great final word, I would say. Thank you very much for being our guest this time in the, in the podcast, and I look forward to hear more from you and also from your exciting journey with Dart. And yeah, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for doing this, and thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in today and listening to this inspiring talk on TechFace podcast. Want to be the first to know about the next episode or get first-hand access to our events? Join TechFace and sign up today on techface.ch. As a new member, you will get a free career coaching call and will always be the first to know about exciting events, news and insights. We look forward to welcoming you as our valued member.